You know, for the next year or so, I may have to change the name of this podcast from Mark K. Saves the Republic to Mark K. Saves the Republican Party. What's up? This is, this is well, Mark K. Saves the Republic. Now, I have to tell you, this is the, every single day now, it seems. And I know that the media is doing a lot to uh, perpetuate the myth that the Republican Party is in this just disastrous state of affairs. But the Republican Party is in pretty much a disastrous state of affairs. They lack any kind of cohesive messaging. They lack leadership. They lack any kind of vision. Uh, and they lack discipline and they lack a lot of really quality candidates, which is a shame because, you know, that's one thing that you really that you really need. And uh, every single day, it seems like the media will come up with something or embellish something or create a story that is going to be harmful to a party that should be living large. I mean, you know, we talked about ever since the election, we've talked about this. In fact, we've talked about it before the election. It was always the red wave. It was always this amazing sense of conservatism that you could see everywhere. I mean, you can see it every damn where. Nobody liked Joe Biden. Nobody liked inflation. Everyone was annoyed with the gas prices. But the Republicans, per usual, they were always focused on the wrong thing. They were preaching to the choir. They were sitting around patting each other on the back instead of going out and harvesting votes, which is something that the Democrats do very, very well. And, and, and now we're starting to see that the slim majority in the House of Representatives, instead of inspiring Republicans, seems to be throttling Republicans. Instead of inspiring conservatives, seems to be, I mean, almost making conservatives more fearful. And I, I don't understand where that's coming from, and I'm not really sure how to stop it, but I do have some ideas. And in fact, as I mentioned in yesterday's Mark K. Saves the Republic podcast, uh, coming up in just a few days, I'll be releasing my Republican Revolution resolutions. It's time for a Republican Revolution. Uh, what that means is the party's got to change. And I think that's probably what we're seeing here. We're seeing Donald Trump, who came in basically in 2015, 2016, took over the party, said, here's what we're going to be now. I'm the leader of the party. The president of the United States is always the leader of his or her party. And Donald Trump came in, he took over. He said, yeah, this is the party. And there's a lot of old school Republicans who fought him on it. Still are fighting him today. Mitch McConnell is the leader of that pack. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other Republicans, you know, Lisa Murkowski, they owe, they owe their jobs to Mitch McConnell. They knew that, that Mitch McConnell would outlast Donald Trump because the Senate elections are longer than the presidential elections. The Senate has no term limits. The presidential, uh, the president offices of the presidency does have term limits, two of them. So like they knew they, they sided, they sided with the leader of the Senate and not the leader of the party. And that happens from time to time. The only problem is that Donald Trump was able to apostolatize. Is that right? Is that right? Apostolatize. He's been, he was able to hold on. Oh, now I apostolatize. I think that's a word proselytize, whatever. Yeah. He was able to proselytize, create advocates and apostles to his new way of thinking. America first, uh, make America great again, MAGA, whatever you want to call it. There were a bunch of Republicans out there who said, Hey, you know what? That's a really good idea. That's a really, instead of making America bad, we should make America great again. Instead of putting America last, we should put America first. Instead of spending money on other people in other countries and initiatives that harm us, we should really invest in the own in our own citizens. We should make our military super strong. We should secure our borders. We should uh, let people keep their tax dollars. And we should say, hey, you know what? Keep your tax dollars, keep more of your tax dollars and invest them as you see fit because it's your money. And Donald Trump did all of those things. He made us energy independent. Uh, and it was, a, it was such a unique, <laughs> unfortunately, it was a unique concept to put America first that a lot of people stopped and said, hey, you know what? That's a great idea. And you had this whole swath of Republicans come in and say, I like that idea. 
Elise Stefanik, for example, uh, Kat Kamek here in Florida. Uh, you know, Marco Rubio jumped on board. Ted Cruz was always on board, but, you know, he was running against Donald Trump, so it took him a while to come around. Rick Scott, you've got, you know, um, all of these, Matt Gates. you've got all of these conservatives, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and even though they're arguing with each other over the Speaker of the House at the moment, they're all cut from the same conservative red cloth. And they all want the same thing for the United States of America. And we're starting to see that in other parts of the country, blue parts of the country, like New York with Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin, who came in and was able to convert so many people to this conservative way of thinking. Not enough to get the governorship in, in a very blue state, but it's a very blue state. That was a tough road to hoe for anybody. But you look at Florida, where Ron DeSantis has just been able to take over and, and really, again, the oasis of freedom. That ain't just a catchy slogan, folks. I live here. It is an oasis. First of all, there's no snow here. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not warm per se, but there's no snow here. And you can carry a gun and you can teach your kids what you want. And the teachers won't, you know, groom your children. And we're getting Disney in line. And everything here is really golden. Plus, there's no income tax and all the oranges you could think to eat. Lots of golf courses, too, if you're into that. So Florida has become this oasis of freedom. And it's all thanks to the Donald Trump form of Republican uh, conservatism. And Ron DeSantis may be the next torchbearer of that. A lot of people think he will be. A lot of people like him as a politician. A lot of people say, I would vote for him. I think he could work better with the Democrats, which is not true. The Democrats hate all Republicans. It doesn't matter who they, they hate Ron DeSantis less right now because Donald Trump is still in the running. But if Donald Trump were running and Ron DeSantis was number one on the list, they would hate him more. They hate everybody who's a Republican, a conservative, who's anti-socialism. They hate everybody who loves freedom and the constitution and, and, and the bill of rights. They don't, they, anyone who thinks, anyone who says, you know, trust the people with their own lives, trust the people to make their own decisions, trust the people with their own health care, trust the people with their own money, for God's sakes. Anybody who stands up and says, trust the people, the Democrats don't trust those people. They hate them. <laughs> they despise them. And that's why they do everything they can uh, to argue against them. So don't, don't be, don't be fooled into thinking they like Ron DeSantis. They don't, they don't like anybody who's not one of them and who doesn't help their cause um, of, you know, slowly destroying and crippling the United States of America. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. But anyway, so this whole th idea created these apostles of MAGA Republicanism, and they're still there, and they're not going anywhere. In fact, they're growing. Because what happens is it, the, the ideas of America first, the ideas that Donald Trump put into motion, uh, they're going viral. You know, and, that's, and people need to realize that those ideas are going viral. And I'm not just talking about my Facebook posts. I'm not just talking about Instagram. I'm not just talking about my new visions on Getter, which, by the way, if you, uh, if you haven't seen yet, it's like TikTok, only without the Chinese spying. It's really cool. If you go to Getter, G-E-T-T-R dot com, and you follow Mark K, you can see they have these new TikToks. It's called Vision, and they're the short-form vertical video. Just They look like TikToks. They sound like TikToks. They look like Instagram Reels. They sound like Instagram Reels, but they're not. They're, they're conservative. They're safe. And you know that if you download Getter and install our good buddy Jason Miller came up with Getter, um, you know that if you, if you do that, you're not going to be spied on by communist Chinese tyrants who want to uh, destroy you and your family and uh, your entire way of life. So that's, a, that's another benefit of going on Getter and watching our visions, um, watching our visions on that platform. Um, so anyway, but they're going viral. Kat Kamek, again, and I talk about her a lot because, well, she's right here. She's right down the road. And she's a good friend of the show. She's got a good head on her shoulders. And she's one of the people that is creating a viral campaign to spread conservatism. Because like I said, it, we're going through a transition. 
you know, it seems like a mess right now. It seems like there's this big battle for the speakership. It seems like there's these upstart young Republicans who are like conservative or nah. You know, if you're not, we, we want it all. We want Jim Jordan. We don't want Kevin McCarthy. We want somebody who's hyper conservative. We don't want somebody who's a wishy-washy moderate. And that's okay. But it's a transition. These other old, the, you know, the old guard still has to get transitioned out. You've still got to get new blood in. You've still got to go out and find new young conservative MAGA loving Republicans who a want to run for office B can get uh, win the primary and then C can win the general election. And, and that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. Cat, uh, created the American grit pack, which is really phenomenal. And if you haven't met or if you haven't gone in and, uh, we, we, you know, we talked about this a lot during the election, but she was able to get 15 Republicans vetted, hand selected and vetted by her team to say, yes, these are not lawyers. These are not rich business owners looking to get richer. These are not just uh, people that want to be career politicians because they don't want to retire or they don't want to um, go to work. I'm sorry, they just want to retire basically as soon as they take office. These are not power hungry individuals looking to reshape the Constitution, rewrite the Constitution or do anything at all uh, that, would, that would disrupt our American way of life. That, none of those people. <clears throat> people like Aaron Bean. Uh, Aaron Bean, who became the, the newest Congress member from Florida because we got a new district and he's the first ever person elected to the new District 4. Uh, you know, Juan Siscomani uh, from Arizona, Eli Crane from Arizona. I mean, these are the, the Eli Crane and his tattoo. He's wearing, a, he's wearing a trucker hat. He's got a beard and a bunch of tattoos on his arm. These are not your typical swamp like creatures. These are these are Congress people that are that are going to Washington, D.C. to fight for you, to fight for a secure border to fight for a strong military. They're there to fight against the swamp, not become part of it. Anthony Desposito in New York, uh, Monica Dela Cruz in Texas, J uh, John Duarte, Russell Fry. These are all brand new grit pack Republicans who won and who you know are going to go to Anna Paulina Luna in uh, Florida's 13th district. These are all people that you know are going to go and fight for America. And that's what we need. And it's going to take a while. You've got 15 of them that have just joined and in the next election, hopefully we'll get more. And some of the older, more moderate crowd, more let's, you know what, the Democrats aren't all that bad. They have some good ideas. We're not going to win without their help. That crowd's got to go. And eventually there'll be a Republican conservative majority in the United States Congress. And it'll be a group that will be strong, that will be unified, that will be able to say, we have a common idea of what this country should look like because we don't have that right now. The Democrats do. The Democrats all know they all have a vision for America. It's a bad one. It's a bad one. It involves a lot of LGBTQ story times. It involves a lot of puberty blockers for kids. It involves no borders at all. And it involves a lot of dirty dealings with China and Russia, Ukraine, a lot of money laundering, higher taxes. That's their vision for America. You can pretty much pick any Democrat out of the crowd and you know they're all going to think the same way about abortion. Baby killing is good. And you'd be hard pressed to find a single Democrat who says, you know what? I don't think we should kill babies. Uh, they just, they just don't exist. Whereas on the Republican party, you've got people all over the place. You've got this large, large, you know, it's like a whole bunch of different colored shaped coins. And you try to got to put them into like stacks and figure out how you can turn them all in for like more, you know, like you put them in the coin star at the grocery store. And then you've got to, you've got to figure out how to get them all into just, you know, the same, like a $100 bill uh, that makes you feel powerful. That's a bad metaphor, but you know, but you kind of get my idea. Um, anyway, that's what we're working toward and it's going to take some time. And in the meantime, there's going to be growing pains and there's going to be anger 
and there's going to be people bashing their head against the wall and there's going to be some mistakes. One of the big mistakes, sorry, I'm playing with a knife, by the way. I, if you were, if you're watching the video, cause we also videotape these and post them on our locals channel on, on YouTube. I have this knife that I bought for our, uh, white supremacist elephant gift exchange. And I ordered it from this great company. I love all their stuff. Um, and I ordered it in so that it could be one of the gifts. Cause I wanted to steal it for myself. However, it didn't come in time. So I had to go out and buy another gift. Um, so I just kept it. <laughs> so I just kept it for myself. So I ordered it. It came late and I said, Oh, well, can't give it to anybody. I might as well keep it for myself, but I love it. It's this Macedonian steel fixed blade knife with this leather sheath. And it's really, I'm, I'm shocked. I haven't stabbed myself with it. I've been playing with it um, so much, but anyway, so in the meantime, there's going to be these growing pains and there's going to be things that we need to work on. Candidate selection, by the way, is a big part of that. And this guy, George Santos, I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure you've heard a little bit about George Santos and what's going on with him in New York. He's a, uh, he's a th th man. The, the media just loves to rake this guy through the coals, but this guy, uh, George Santos, he basically, I mean, I guess he just basically lied about everything on not even his application, but basically, you know, when you, when you do, when you're a candidate, you go out there and you say, okay, here's, I guess my resume, here's where I went to school. Here's where I studied. Here's where I worked. Here's what I believe. And this guy supposedly lied about basically everything. He lied about where he went. He said he went to Baruch College. He said he went to NYU, which is weird. He lied and said, I went to NYU. I actually went to NYU. And I lie and tell people I didn't go there because I know when I tell people I went to NYU, they're like, what? What are you, some kind of, you some kind of liberal commie bastard? And I'm like, no. So I just lie and tell people I didn't go to college. I'm like, if anyone asks, I didn't go to college. I admit it. Um, but no, but he lied about going to NYU. Apparently he lied about where he worked. He said he worked for these large wall street firms. He did not. He worked for a contractor of those large wall street firms, but he wasn't clear on that. He also said something along the lines of, uh, Oh, being Jewish. He made a joke or something and said that his grandmother was Jewish and then converted to Catholicism. So he was Jew ish I S H. Um, but people, you know, took it, took it. I, I, he says they took it the wrong way. Anyway, look, it all comes. Oh, he's gay but then he was married to a woman. So he had to explain, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're digging up now. Some of it may be just misunderstanding. Some of it may be that, yeah, the guy flat out lied. In fact, he admitted to Tulsi Gabbard, who was filling in for uh, Tucker Carlson the other night that he did lie on a lot of this. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play some of those clips from that interview on the show today. So if you listen at noon, you'll be able to hear the whole story of George Santos. But the problem that we have here in the Republican party is that they're not. And again, this is, I believe Rona McDaniels, you know, it sits firmly on her shoulders. They're not vetting the candidates. They're not vetting their own candidates. The Democrats are vetting our candidates. The media is vetting our candidates. The New York Times is looking into George Santos's past to see if he actually is Jewish. It seems like a simple question. The New York Times is digging into George Santos's past to see if he actually went to NYU, whether he actually went to Baruch College, whether he went to any of these uh, firms that he declared he worked for. They're digging it up. We're not. We're just taking everyone at their word. You know, I think, I think the Republicans were so excited to have a gay minority uh, congressperson elected in New York that they just, you know, they didn't even, they didn't even think to stop to ask. And that's a big problem because candidate selection is something that needs to be addressed. Kat Kamek will tell you that she picked 15 candidates and they all won and they're all conservative. They all won their primaries. They all got elected. Now they're going to go to Washington DC and they're going to work for us. Um, she should probably do some kind of she should probably do some kind of zoom call with all the other, with all the other Republican leaders around the country and say, here's how it's not that hard folks. It's not that hard. You just go out and you look for real people 
with real jobs, real beliefs, real problems, and then you convince them that they can make some real change. And then they go and they run for Congress and, you know, bada bing, bada boom. But that's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to be in just a couple of days, hopefully by Friday of this week, I'll be ready to release to you the, uh, the Republican Revolution resolutions for this for 2023. I'd love for you to get those in your hands as, as quickly as possible so you can read them, you can learn them, you can see what they're all about, you can share them with your friends and family. Um, and I think that that's something that we all need to focus on heading into the next year because 2024 is too late. If we don't get our crap together by 2023, if we don't start really building the new foundation from the ground up, then we're not going to have a chance in 2024. And that means more ridiculous legislation, more ridiculous border, non-existent border policy, more conflicts around the world, more money bundling into the White House from China, more taxes for you, higher gas prices, more inflation. I mean, every bad thing that you could think of, more, oh, more federal judges who are, who are basically socialists, uh, more grooming for your kids in, in college and a weaker military. Um, so yeah, those, none of those are good things, by the way. Those are all, just in case you're wondering, those are all bad. And we've got 2023 as a party to come together, figure out what we need to resolve to do, what we need to fix. I think I've got a pretty good handle on it. And, uh, and like I said, the, my, my Republican resolu revolution resolutions for 2023 will be ready soon. Just keep listening to this podcast. Keep sharing my videos. Keep tuning into the show. We will keep you abreast of everything going on. We will keep you informed of what's going on. We will let you know when you need to just slam your head against the wall because the Republicans are acting stupid again. And when you can actually feel proud to be part of a party that claims to be conservative and actually one day maybe will be. Uh, until then, <laughs> like I said, I'll be here every single day in front of my computer, in front of the microphone, doing my best to save the Republican Party so that we can save the Republic.